welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his friends give you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides, and we are on day two of our three-part season bets for the 2023 season. Uh, what else am I supposed to say? I, I, I don't know. Someone tell me something to say. It's going to be good. Stick around. Watch the episode. There you go. <laughs> Jake, give me something. Give me something good. That's asking too much. Uh, I'm not that talented. <laughs> All right. So what we did in the, in the first part of our three-part series is uh, we've got a little competition going. Each of my co-hosts gets $1,000 to make season-long bets. Uh, minimum bet $50. Maximum bet two hundred fifty dollars. I don't think anyone's going to hit that because if so, you're like really putting all your eggs in one basket. Maybe they will, and in in part three, who knows? Uh, TBD. Uh, but here is a quick little uh, recap of where we are yesterday. Uh, so far, cousin Jared has risked three hundred fifty of his dollars. Jake has risked four hundred fifty of his. Uh, so each of them have more than half of their bankroll to play with. Um, was there? I feel like there was something yesterday. Like I got like in the middle of the show. And I was like, I should have mentioned this. Maybe it was this this season, this this competition. I don't know. Uh, we're still figuring out what the what the stakes are. Uh, have, have we come up with any ideas? <laughs> yes, yes. If you have any, drop it in the comments. Uh, hit us up on Discord, whatever it may be on Twitter. Uh, let us know. We got to do something beyond the the shaving the head thing. Uh, I feel like that's a, a, a tired thing. You know, we, we gotta we gotta do something more creative. Uh, gentlemen, anything? Gentlemen, anything to say before we get into today's show? I think let's just roll right into it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'll, I'll go ahead and apologize to all the Mountain West fans. I, I don't know anything about it. We're, we are going to cover the Mountain West at the end. We're going to cover the Pac-12. This is going to feel a little bit like a Pac-12 show, for, for better or worse. But we are going to start off in the Big Ten uh, with Michigan, a team that, uh, you know, has played well the last couple of seasons, making it to the playoff. Um, a wild game in last year's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I still feel like if I think back to that game, I'm still reeling as to how crazy that one was. Uh, <laughs> we're going to start off here. Uh, Jake, this is, this is yours, I believe. Uh, under yes. 10 and a half wins at even money. Uh, the Big Ten is playing nine conference games, so uh, three non-conference games right there at the start of the season. All three of those look to be pretty gimmies. So you are banking on Michigan losing two uh, of those. Obviously, Ohio State's going to be a tough game, even though it is at home. At Penn State's going to be tough. At Michigan State might be with the rivalry. You never know. Uh, Jake, what is the impetus for under 10.5 wins for Michigan? I mean, they are a very good team. The defense is stout. But first off, we're not going to know anything about them until October because I don't. Nebraska's nothing. You have no no clue what this team is doing. They, as good as the defense was, as physical as they are, they did not get many tackles for loss or like sacks. I mean, of the 73 they had last year, tackles for loss, 21 of them came against the mighty Indiana and Colorado State. And then they had one against or one against Illinois and three against TCU in the playoffs. Like they're they're just not getting the backfield. I don't see any adjustments that they made that were going to improve that. And their schedule is like as weak as the bottom part of the Big Ten is. The top part's fairly strong, and they're on the road in every tough opponent, except for Ohio, Ohio State, and that's a different level of tough anyway. But it's, yeah, it's tough given no matter where you play. 
I mean, even at Minnesota is tricky. You got at Michigan State with the rivalry. You got at Penn State and then at Maryland. Uh, Maryland gave them everything they wanted last year and more. Who knows what happens if uh, this that was that game was at Maryland? Maybe that's a that's a loss and they don't even make the playoff. If they start making those kind of mistakes. Uh, I don't know. They should be able to control the game. They should be able to do this, but I, I think it's more than plausible that they drop one of those tough road games at probably Ohio State or maybe two and beat Ohio State. Who knows? But I just don't see them coming through with 11 wins. Even money is obviously nice here. You know, right? There's just a lot of landmines. Uh, Maryland uh, at home gives some teams all they want. Like you said, they play some real they, – they play they completely disappear. There's been teams who have just destroyed Maryland. But Maryland uh, has been kind of frisky. Minnesota, the same way with that style of play, of course, can beat anybody at home, it seems like. Uh, and, and Penn State, I think we all expect to be really good. I, I have I have two main questions about the Big Ten that I'm going to ask here because I think it kind of, you know, is relevant here. Number one – uh, what is Michigan's offense going to be like? Because last year we saw them take a huge step forward. The step forward that we've been waiting for them to take for years now. I don't even know how many years. I, I'd be wrong if I guessed. Ever since uh, Harbaugh's been there. Yeah, yeah. It, well, and probably before, to be honest. Um, yeah. <laughs> the times were great before that. But, I mean, that was, that was can, they, can they build off that? Can they keep up that? Or is it going to revert back to what we saw before? Question number two, is Penn State finally going to make a leap? Because they have been on – that second tier for quite a while now, really far behind Ohio State and Michigan, a really good team, but Ohio State and Michigan have just been far ahead of them. Can Penn State finally make that leap? You might hesitate, you might say no, but of course, we also thought Michigan's offense would never make that leap either. So you never know what's going to happen. Because uh, Jared, I feel like I've given you a, a million different talking points. Where, where does your head go with this uh, Michigan discussion? Well, okay. So first of all, just what you just said about Penn State. The problem is, and I think that the college football model sideline that you have here does a really good job of illustrating this. The problem is, is there's usually the top, you know, three, four, five teams, and then there's a clear gap down to the rest. And I think that Penn State, unfortunately, finds itself in the scenario where Ohio State and Michigan are two of the teams that are in those top three, four, five. And Penn State could be better, but I think it's still going to be a, a gap down to them, even if they were, you know, the seventh best team in college football or something like that. And it's weird how college football works like that, how there always just seems to be this upper crust of teams that kind of really separates itself from the rest. So um, I think Penn State's going to be good this year, but I don't know if it makes a difference when you're comparing yourselves to those two really good teams. The only other thing I would say about Michigan actually isn't about Michigan. Michigan. It's about Ohio State. And I know a lot of Ohio State fans are getting, uh, you know, antsy about Ryan Day seemingly unable to beat Jim Harbaugh. But what I would say, the, the person that you can actually look to for that, the school that you can look to as a model for, hey, you need to stick with your coach even when they can't win a big game is Jim Harbaugh in Michigan, Michigan yeah. because if they would have let him go for not being able to beat Ohio State, they definitely would have missed out on these last two years. Yeah, they, yeah. they would have missed out on these last two years. So Ohio State fans, I know, easier said than done, for sure. But I, you're a very, very good team. You're going to beat Michigan. Again, don't get too carried away. Because if Michigan had gotten carried away, they wouldn't have beaten you the past two years. Yes, and that's a great point that, uh, at least for now, Penn State is was where Michigan was for so many years, up until these last two years. Yep. Very good, but could not get over the hump, could not get in that upper tier. And these last two years, they've made that leap, uh, you know, really got made the leap two years ago. And then last year, really solidified it, uh, ranking really strong, a fantastic team. And then things just went haywire for them in the playoff. But that's that's sports, one game playoffs. You never really know what's going to happen uh, with that. So Michigan, uh, under 10.5 wins, even money. Uh, Jake, this one is $50 for you, correct? 
Yeah, yeah. And on that Penn State thing, I think when they go divisionless, that'll help them out because getting there once is like it opens like it opens a door, and then all of a sudden you're on TV and you get better recruits and you're able to do that. So maybe one of these divisionless years they'll not have both Ohio State and Penn State, and it'll just kind of open the door for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, next pick here, because of Jared Purdue, over five and a half wins. You're laying some juice here, minus 155. Uh, yeah, Fresno State, Virginia Tech, Syracuse are your three non-conference games. Uh, Fresno State, uh, taking a step back last year, uh, you know, so that's that's probably a win. At Virginia Tech, uh, that could be tricky. You never really know. Tough place to play. Virginia Tech's taking a step back, though. Uh, Syracuse at home, much better than Syracuse on the road. And then you get into the conference slate. Uh, tell us why you're on over five and a half. Well, let's work on getting this banner updated because I'm going under five and a half. Under. Wins. Not, close enough. Yeah, close enough. It's all it's all the same, <laughs> but uh, who's counting? Uh, yeah, so the reason that I'm under going under five and a half wins with Purdue there we go. It's, it's fixed is, for you there. Yeah, there, there we go. Under five and a half wins. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what I would say here is I feel like with Braum leaving, he had a very strong cultural identity on offense. And Ironically, I think Purdue is set up really well for the future, bringing in uh, Ryan Walter as the head coach, bringing in Graham Harrell as the offensive coordinator, which for all of the issues that West Virginia had last year, Graham Harrell's offense was pretty good at, at times for what he had to work with, in my opinion. So I think long-term Purdue is set up for success, but I think there's going to be a real culture change that has to take place. Hudson Card could be a very good quarterback for a, a solid, especially Big Ten West quarterback this year, I think. But I think there's just going to be the some- bars low. Yeah, the bar the bar is low, uh, but I think there's just going to be some some growing pains. And unfortunately, when you look at this schedule, I don't think that sets up well for growing pains. I mean, honestly, the first half of this schedule, Fresno State, no gimme the first game. Obviously, Fresno State is going to probably be taking a step back without Jake Hayner this year. But I think you would be remiss if you just said that, uh, you know, Fresno State is going to be an easy game that, that first game of the season. I think that's going to be a, a, a tough matchup. I will say if it's, it's a lot scarier if it's on the road, that's for sure, because that's one that yeah. te- these type of teams traveling out West Coast lose way more than they should. Uh, at, yeah. at home, they should at least be favored. Uh, and Fresno State looked decent without Hayner last year. They looked really terrible at first, and then they kind of got rolling a little bit without him, and then he came back, and of course, uh, you know, he was so good. So, But, yeah. you, you know... Taking a step back, but uh, yeah, you, you never know in that first game, of course. It's, yeah, going to be, be be a tougher game, I think. And then Virginia Tech, which Virginia Tech has, has been down for sure. But I think in Brett Price's second season, they're going to make some strides, and it bothers me playing at Virginia Tech so early in the season. Again, yeah. if this were a game that were at home, I'd be less concerned about it, but going on the road yeah. to Virginia Tech, sure. a little bit concerned about that. And then you've got Syracuse, which – you sh- I think you should probably win that game. You got a revenge spot after Syracuse beat them last year. But man, then you roll into Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, uh, and Ohio State all in a row without a bye. That is just a gauntlet for any team, much less uh, one that's bring bring in a new offensive coordinator, new head coach, and again, kind of moving away from that identity that they had with Purdue. And then you've got a bye week, and you've got Nebraska, which who knows what you're going to get with Nebraska at that point in the season. You would think an improving Nebraska at that point. But, but then you've got to go to Michigan, and that's not going to be an easy game at all. So I, I think maybe you could find yourself in a situation where they could win the last three games of the season, Minnesota, Northwestern, Indiana, and maybe that's how you lose this play. But I think that there are just some 
landmines early in the season, some tough stretches, and potentially, you know, the fact for maybe packing it in at the end after you get that, you know, Iowa, Ohio State, Michigan, three out of five weeks, and then, you know, what do you have to play for? You know, Minnesota in November is not going to be no um, – you know, you're not going to be able to just run through them either because, you know, it's the Big Ten West. It's going to be cold, might have an ugly game. So uh, I just think there's a lot of landmines in this schedule. And I think uh, under five and a half, even at the the uh, juiced odds here at minus 155 it is a good value. And so I'm putting $50 on this play. If we use my end of season ratings from last year, so have not having gone through and, and doing returning production and transfers and recruiting classes and all that nonsense, uh, I would have had Purdue as about a nine point home favorite to Syracuse uh, mm-hmm. in that game, which is not that much. I mean, that's a very losable game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, I think there's a lot of those landmines, a lot of coin toss game, a lot of games that'll be single digit spreads, um, yep. you know, versus Wisconsin, versus Illinois, at Iowa potentially at Nebraska versus Minnesota, and even at Northwestern, all of us have a potential to be single-digit spreads. And that creates a lot of uh, tough spots for them and not a ton of gimmies. I think that Virginia Tech game is going to be really huge for this one because, uh, like we talked about right there, definitely take a step back, but it's a really tough place to play. Um, It will be an early start, so it will be quite as daunting as the night games there, which get crazy. But uh, still – I assume will be a good crowd early in the season. Virginia Tech, their fans will be, you know, there and, and happy and not out of it, right? When you get to yeah. the end of the season, um, so it should be uh, one that could make or break that one in the Syracuse. Those, first, those two, second, third games are could really make or break that one. Uh, then one more Big Ten one back to you, Jake. Michigan State under five and a half wins. Uh, I have to say, unders are probably the smarter wager. Uh, for season bets, because people love over, so they tend to be, uh, you know, a little overpriced, uh, no pun intended, and, and under should have the value. Someone has to win some Big Ten games, guys. I, I, I mean, <laughs> how, how are we got three unders here. Uh, Jake, sell us on this under. I mean, you got two gimmies at the start of the season with Central Michigan and Richmond. Uh, the home game against Washington, uh, hopefully that'll be more interesting than last year's game, and then, of course, the conference slate. Why, why are you on the under here at Plus Odds? First off, I really want wish I could be Mel Tucker's agent that he can go in <laughs> one good year, fleece Michigan State for however much ever he got paid to that hundred million dollar deal, Insane. and then not worry about it. Yeah. Look, no, um, nobody should be pointing fingers at bad college football head coaching contracts, guys. I mean, no. let's just you know, let's just not talk about that. Gotta <laughs> uh, gotta poke it when it's fun, uh, but yeah, you got the two <laughs> gimmies there, and then Indiana. Where, where, where are you coming up with the three other wins? I, I couldn't find it. Nebraska. I mean, that's, yeah, maybe. I, I don't, maybe, I'm not that maybe, confident. Maybe home against Maryland, maybe at Rutgers. Uh, yeah, it's the stuff. It, I mean, you've got Peyton Thorne. He's gone. Their top, their top odd receivers are gone. The defense could take a giant leap forward and still be below average. And I mean, that's those, rec- those that- receivers also, I don't think you can understate just how good those receivers were in helping that offense. Yeah. I mean, like I, said, I only see the two for sure wins. You definitely have three for sure losses with Penn state, Ohio state, and Michigan. Uh, I'd throw Washington and Iowa in there. I had Iowa and Washington at home because Washington's going to be a pretty good team. Uh, I, I just really, see a struggle to find four wins if you're two and five with those games on that so i think under and i don't see it getting much better because the defense is just you this guy was supposed to be tucker was supposed to be a great defensive coach especially secondary and it's been nothing but terrible after outside of one year 
and I don't know how on earth they're going to get to a bowl game this year. I I guess at least, uh, you know, you, Jake, are the one throwing stones at the bad coaching contract and not because of Jerry. Because I guess then at that point, if he were to do it, we could say, hey, you know, you know, he, oh, he Tennessee's got plenty. Thin or what? Oh, that's true. That's true. Because, uh, <laughs> Jared, any, any comment on Michigan State here? I can't believe that you're getting plus 130 here on the under five and a half. This definitely seems like the way I, I would lean. I mean, how can you pass up that type of value? I would also say, you know, I don't know if Central Michigan is going to be as much as a give me as people think. Certainly, I think Michigan State's going to win that game. Uh, but the first game last season, Central Michigan lost to Oklahoma State 58-44. Uh, that Oklahoma State team a little bit different offensively at the beginning of the season than they were at the end of the season. But if they go in there and put up 35 points against Michigan State, do we think that Michigan State is going to be able to get in a track meet with, with Central Michigan with all the talent that they've lost uh, on offense? Uh, and, and then, you know, Central Michigan lost uh, – a game to Penn State last year, which Penn State I think is much better than than Michigan State is. They lost that game by about 17 points. So anyway, where I'm going with this, I think Mich- uh, Central Michigan can even give them a, give them a game that that first week of the season. So yeah, I, I I like this play. I think the plus 130 definitely makes this the the way to go if you're going to play this one. I I have zero idea if, if Central Michigan is supposed to be any better this year or not. Uh, we'll talk about that in our when we get to the the group of five schools with with the MAC uh, in our next show. But uh, I would have this at Michigan State minus 17 using last year's rosters. Uh, but with knowing that Michigan State lost some things, you have to assume that number will drop, yeah. uh, assuming yeah. Central Michigan is, is about the same. Uh, so, you know, not, not a complete, uh, you know, give me and one, you know, you can't look ahead on a Friday night spot. Sometimes things get weird, of course. Uh, if, yeah, if Central Michigan pulls the upset, Jake, I think we can go ahead and uh, you can just take this one to the bank <laughs> if that were to happen. <laughs> Uh, gentlemen, any last words on the Big Ten before we move on to the Pac-12? I, I, I just think that the Big Ten is going to be the same Big Ten that, that it's been the past few years, which is Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and then just kind of chaos below that, unless, you know, and I don't want to still Jake Sunder if this is what he's going to say, but Wisconsin, what is the heck is Wisconsin going to look like this year? Putting in a, a spread offense, uh, I, I think it's going to be, very, very fun to, to watch what Wisconsin turns into this year. That's exactly where I was going. I was thinking Wisconsin is a, just a giant question mark because I looked at them and looked at them and I couldn't find a play on that. So I'm excited to see what they do. They they are the only team out west I think could even stand a chance of dethroning somebody in the Big Ten Championship. But who knows? All right, shifting to the Pac-12. You cannot talk about the Pac-12 without talking about Deion Sanders in Colorado. Uh, they start off with TCU last year. Uh, we took the points with Colorado last year, and it looked great in the first half, and I went to bed, and then the rest of the game happened. And the first half of that game was definitely Colorado's high point of the season. And the mm-hmm. second half was basically a foreshadowing of everything else to come. This is a brutal schedule for Dion here in year one, getting a rival in Nebraska as a non-conference game at TCU. And then the, the in-state rival in Colorado State, they should be favored in that game, of course. But in a rivalry game, you never really know. Uh, brutal schedule. Uh, but the Pac-12 has always got a lot of question marks in it, Jake. You think over three and a half wins, even at minus 160. Tell us why. I mean, I'm not sure if Dion is good or bad yet. Like, as, as a coach, it seems good. But what he brought with him is big. Bringing in uh, his son as a QB, that's a huge upgrade there. Uh, 
the Sean Lewis hire at Mac from uh, Kent State, I think it's going to be brilliant. I think it's really going to help mask some issues they have with the speed and everything. It, it's going to be fun. They brought in some great receivers with Horn and Weaver. Uh, I mean, the defense should take a big step up. Offensive line, it's a big question mark, but Sanders is very mobile. So I think talent-wise, they're going to be there. Uh, defense, is, I think they'll be a lot better because that seems where Dion feels a lot better. Plus, the secondary, is, it's going to be real hard to throw on them with the people, with the recruits they brought in and then uh, the guy from last year, the number one guy, I forget his name. Uh, I think they're going to be a little bit better than what most people think. I think you're going to get Colorado State, probably Nebraska, and then having Arizona State, Stanford, and Arizona on the schedule is a blessing there because those are all three pretty rough teams that I don't see a lot of um, a lot of talent talent there. And then you've got two of those are at home. If you can get Nebraska and Colorado State, I think you're home free on this. And then who knows? They may sneak around and steal one from like Washington State or on the road. Maybe Utah if Utah stinks. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna year. say I'm gonna say no to both of those. That's are both losses in my book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to point where where, where the possibility is because you know it's not USC or Oregon. No, I don't think it'll be UCLA. No, those not are the only two other. Yeah, it, it you have to have it before the last game. But I mean, you you do you know home against Nebraska, home against Colorado State, uh, at Arizona State versus Stanford versus Arizona. That's five very winnable games, four of which are at home. And so that's that's your hope there is they take care of business in, in those games. You're just going to win four of the five. Four of them are at home, and they're all winnable. Because uh, of Jared, are you going to say it or am I going to say it? Uh, because I feel like there are obviously are more question marks with Colorado than any other yeah. team, maybe in the history of college football, that we've ever yeah. been paying attention, right? Yeah, no. I mean, what, they had like 60 players transfer out or something like that, some ridiculous records, number. Records are broken. Yeah, that bad? When you, were, when you were as bad as they were, isn't that a good thing? Well, and I, but I, think I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure that it's bad, but what I would say is I would be concerned about depth, it, it, which, I mean, obviously, again, when you're when you're that bad, how, how much depth do you really have? You probably don't have uh, depth anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but, like, literally, like, literally I, I don't know this for sure, but, like, at some positions, I'm sure it's like they get two injuries, like, do they have somebody that can actually go out and play the position that is actually built to play the position? Um, so, okay, here's the thing. I think the bottom of the Pac-12 is going to be not not good. And um, can I, in good conscience, recommend that you play over three and a half wins for Colorado? In my opinion, no. But also, can I, in good conscience, tell you to play under three and a half wins for Colorado? No, because there are some bad teams on this schedule. I think Stanford's yeah. going to be bad. It's going to be a rough year for Arizona State. Um, so I I just think that they could come across four wins and it would not surprise me, but I cannot in good conscience recommend one way or another on this team. But there is one team at the bottom of the back 12 that I do think I can recommend to play on. And we'll talk about that a little later. All right. A uh, little, little teaser for later in the show. Uh, that's not where we're going next. So we are going to the top of the pac 12, the other team that if you were talking about the pac 12, you kind of have to talk about USC. Uh, Cause Jared, you're on the over 10 wins, uh, you know, of all the teams at the end of the season, and we kind of saw this coming. Uh, I think we talked about it, right? The um, 
the way that team came together with all the transfers, kind of similar to Colorado this year. Uh, Colorado's taking it to a whole new level, but this is what happened with Lincoln Riley last year. A bunch of transfers, uh, high, higher profile guys, of course, and we knew there was a lot of talent. Uh, but took a little bit of time to kind of gel. But by the end of the season, they were playing some really good football, did have some depth issues themselves. Yep. Uh, this year in year two, seemingly have all those things fixed. Everything should click. We talked about the Big 12 yesterday, and we do expect Oklahoma to bounce back. But you do have to wonder how much of Oklahoma's success was Lincoln Riley. Uh, and, of course, b- b- before that, Stoops being a fantastic coach. How much was those, were those two coaches, now Lincoln Riley at USC, we saw him do things that I, I, a USC fan out there might be able to correct me on this, but it feels like did things at USC last year that we haven't seen since Pete Carroll uh, was a really promising year. You have to be excited if you're a USC fan. Uh, Jared, you're buying into the hype here. Uh, tell us why. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm betting 100 on the over 10 wins. So I want to pose a couple of questions to, to both of you. Does this USC team essentially feel like every other Oklahoma team? that Lincoln Riley had. Yeah. Okay. Does the Pac-12 at this moment feel very similar to the Big 12 that Lincoln Riley was was coaching in? And, you know, looking at Oregon, Washington, UCLA, you know, Utah, got Notre Dame on the schedule. It feels pretty Big 12-y to me. Yeah. I think the, the difference would be, I think there's a little bit more of a split in that I think the upper middle of the Pac-12 might be a little bit stronger, but the bottom of the Pac-12 is a little bit weaker. You have yeah. more gimme wins than the Big 12 ever had, but there's yeah. a little bit of, of solid teams at the top. And of course, did you throw Notre Dame in, which is the other big asterisk? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then the, my final question to, to you two would be, in seasons where Oklahoma played a full schedule, how many of those seasons did Lincoln Riley not win 10 games? I'm assuming he did Maybe it every year. Yes, he did it. He did it every year. He has won at least 10 games every year that he has coached at least a, a full schedule. 2020, they only won nine games, but of course they didn't play the full schedule uh, in 2020. So I, this just feels like every other Lincoln Riley team, which is basically a guaranteed 10 wins with an amazing quarterback. I even have to say I'm I might be a little bit higher on USC than most because I do think they got in some some defensive transfers that can help them out. I feel like that's what we say every year about a Lincoln Riley coach team, that this is going to be the year the defense plays better. But I, I, I think they have the best chance to have a decent defense that, that they've had ever since Riley's been a head coach, in, in my opinion. So, yeah, this is one of those. It just feels lather, rinse, repeat. I, I don't know why we wouldn't expect the same thing that we've seen every single season from Lincoln Riley with a great quarterback and this year, that being Caleb Williams. So we are going to talk about Utah, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that you know Utah – last year played a style of football that was very different than what we had seen in previous seasons from Utah. We had previously seen grinded out, pounded out, defensive-minded, gritty football from Utah. Last year, we saw a Utah team that wasn't as good defensively, but really fantastic on offense, led by a couple of you know NFL-caliber tight ends uh, and a quarterback playing really well. Uh, Utah was able to handle USC last year uh, a couple different various reasons why so we don't have to dive into all that but they at least played them really well at minimum mm-hmm. you can't yeah. even argue whatever assets you want to give they, you can't argue that point yeah. i think it's interesting you go the other end of the spectrum lincoln riley's oklahoma teams had a ton of problems with the baylor teams when they were good defensively so it makes you wonder if usc is going to struggle with a team that can do 
really well on one side or the other. And if you can't, if you can't, ex, you know, super excel on one side of the ball or the other, they're going to roll you. That's kind of how I feel about this USC team personally is if you're good on offense and good on defense, they're going to beat you. If you can be excellent on one of the two, you have a chance. Yeah. And so and, that's. And ironically, the, the team that, and not just because of what happened last season, but the team that would worry me the most if I were USC in the Pac-12, I think is Oregon State, which they get to avoid just because of the type of game that that Oregon State can play. But I mean, they almost they really should have lost. They had game. they had that game. Oregon yeah. State had that game. Yeah, but I I look at the tough Pac-12 games they've got, and you're like, okay, Washington, that's going to be a shootout. Give me Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Oregon's probably going to be a shootout. Give me Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. Utah, I don't I don't know. Utah can definitely win that game, but after what I saw last season, I think that's going to be a shootout. Give me Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. So um, I don't know. I just feel like the schedule sets up well in the tough games. I feel like it's going to be a style of game that's going to be in USC's wheelhouse. It's going to be obviously a cakewalk to 6-0. and I don't see any problems yeah. getting there. I mean, that's ridiculously yeah. easy for those first six. The yeah. back six games, obviously, of California is going to be a gimme. But the other five games, I, I don't think they're going to lose all five of those. But, I mean, those are tougher. Notre Dame, I don't. Yeah. you never really know what to expect from them. I don't think that's going to be that challenging of a game. I think the road aspect is going to be the hardest part of that. Yeah. But I, I think they should be able to handle that one. Uh, Utah, again, last year gave them trouble. The Washington one at home helps. UCLA at home helps. The road game at Oregon, that's a tough one. Uh, that's probably going to be their their the, the game that they are the favored by the least in and or potentially, if Oregon's as good as we think, maybe just straight up underdogs mm-hmm. in that game. Uh, last year was the first year in the Pac-12 that I thought was really fun because of the yeah. fact that there were like four teams at the top that were really good instead of just like two. Um, Washington was trying to sneak up into that. Uh, Oregon State was trying to sneak up into that. And, of course, you had uh, Oregon and USC uh, as well, you what UCLA was trying to sneak up into that, and of course Utah. I mean, you had some really talent at the top, made it a lot of fun, and I feel like that's what I see when I see the back half of this schedule. Uh, Jake, do you have anything to talk about with USC, or does that, or does that just segue us right into your next pick? I mean, you, you kind of hit all my points. I mean, I think Notre, if you get by Notre Dame, you've cashed this one because your other tough games are at home at at Oregon. Like at Oregon is. If you get by Notre Dame, that's the only one I see really being a loss, and so you've you've cashed it at that point, or, or at least you've guaranteed a push. Worst case, at that point, yeah, it would be yeah. really hard to lose the wager there. Uh, speaking of Oregon, uh, Jake, you are on Oregon's under nine and a half. Uh, Portland State, obviously, that's a gimme. Hawaii, uh, that's a gimme. At Tech, that one, like, sneaky, could be a fun game at Tech. Uh, always have to talk about these non-conference games because, you know, we get some really good ones early on and, of course, the conference grind. Uh, a couple of easy ones to start off with, Colorado and Stanford, and then gets a little bit tougher for them. Uh, Jake, you're seeing at least three losses here. Uh, tell us more. Yeah, I, I think the offensive line is where the biggest issue is here. Right, um, they are in a lot of trouble there. They, and then uh, I think it's really the both lines. Their skill positions are so good, but the offensive line is going to take a step back. That means more running for Bo Nix. Uh, and we saw what happened in the Oregon State game when Bo Nix got hurt and tried to play through it. I mean, it's it's so weird to be talking about a Bo Nix team led team and thinking two good years in a row. Look, I mean, years instead of games like. It was hard to find two good games in a row in the SEC. Uh, but he was incredible last year and deserves every bit of all the hype he's getting this year. I just don't see the offensive line being good enough to hold up all the time. I don't see him having 
put together in the second week because at Lubbock is tough. That is going to be a fun game to watch. But I, I think that game ends up being a loss, and then <clears throat> fighting the rest of that schedule is, is tough. The schedule's not great. I think nine wins is where this team sits. And so getting that tenth win is going to be tough because, I mean, you've got USC on there, and even though it's at home, USC's a very good team. You've got Oregon State at home. Oregon State could be very sneaky good. Uh, at Washington, last year they so, gave they gave them all sorts of trouble last year. And then at Utah is always tough, no matter how good Utah is or not. It's just a it's a tough back into the schedule, and I think this week two is really what hampers them from being able to get to that tenth win. Yeah, if they if they win at Tech, you're not doomed. If they lose, I mean, you've probably got this one in the bag. Uh, just getting past that. Uh, at Washington, it's going to be somewhere around a coin toss game. Uh, who knows exactly what the number will be, but it'll be pretty close to 50-50. At Utah, will be pretty close to 50-50. Home against USC, pretty close to 50-50. Uh, that's three coin toss games right there in the back half of the season. Uh, and then, of course, Oregon State could, uh, you know, they'll be favored in that one at home. But, uh, like we said, that could give them trouble. And Oregon State, I think, is a fun team to think about just because they play such a different style of football. And they could really cause a lot of problems uh, for teams in the Pac-12. Because, uh, Jared, uh, Bo Nix, you are very familiar with Bo Nix. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't are, – are, are we – did he make the leap? Is, is that real? How much of that was the teammates? How much of that was the scheme? I mean, what are we thinking about this? Because I, I just – it was such an interesting point of conversation last year. Coming into the season, we really expected, you know – the same roller coaster we always had, and we didn't really get it until he got hurt, and that wasn't his fault at that point. Um, yeah, yeah. Of course, that is a big question: Can he stay healthy? Yeah, yeah. Given so, the style he plays. Yeah, so I think you you hit on it perfectly. If he can stay healthy, if he can stay healthy, I think he's going to have a good season. And and so I, I think that's the number one thing you have to look at. The other thing that I would say, and this is a a non-answer, but looking at the schedule. Do you feel like you're going to know what Bo Nix is based off of this schedule? Because when you look at it, who is going to slow down Bo Nix? Is it maybe you can convince me Washington State could. You can convince me Utah could. And you can convince me Oregon State could. I, I don't see any other team on this schedule that really, you know, gives me any concern if I'm an Oregon fan as far as slowing them down offensively now. Could they get to a shootout, lose a game with like Washington or USC or whatever? Of course, of course they could. Um, but I, I just think that if he stays healthy, there's not many talented defenses on this schedule that are going to give him very many problems. Yeah. Uh, and what, the more I look at it, the Arizona State game is a trap game, if I've ever seen oh, it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and sure. nothing bad has ever happened to good Oregon teams traveling to Arizona in the second half of years. Yeah. Ever. No, no. Never, not once. No. no, we haven't talked about trap games yet, but absolutely. Uh, yeah. That is one. Uh, even the home game against California is not that California would be good enough to win. But, I mean, it's another. I mean, this 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 is sandwiched here, really. But uh, Washington State as well. I mean, you've got at Washington, at Utah are big circle spots. you got home against Washington State sandwich. you got Utah, USC, California sandwich. you got USC, Oregon State, Arizona State sandwich. They're going to have to figure out how to stay focused uh, coming off of a big game and heading into a big game. Uh, for sure. Of those, obviously, the road game is the one that you can blow because the Pac-12, especially Pac-12 after dark, there are random teams that lose these road games. Uh, home games, less so. Not impossible. It's happened, but 
who knows at that point if Arizona State, I assume they've got a lot of transfers as well after what happened last year. Uh, maybe by that point of the season, they're playing relatively well uh, and can at least make that one interesting. Uh, back over to you, Cousin Jared. Cal under five and a half wins. Um, honestly, week one in my backyard here in Denton, Texas at North Texas, feels like that could really set the tone uh, for this if, yeah. they, if they lose that game. And that could that should be a pretty coin-tossy type game right there as well. Yeah. If they lose that game, probably that could beat Auburn. Uh, that could set things downward quickly. Uh, are we going to talk about the coaching situation, or have we moved on from that? No, I, I don't know why Justin Wilcox passed on the Oregon job. I mean, I, I'm never going to let him down on this one. Like there's there's no logical reason anyway. Um, yeah, so Cal, uh, I, I kind of mentioned this when Jake talked about Colorado. I think the bottom of the the Pac-12 is going to be pretty bad this year, and certainly there are going to be some teams that luck into four or five wins. The thing about Cal is that their total is set at five and a half, so they could luck into five wins, and I still win this bet. Yes, I'm having to lay a little bit of juice here, but I still think it's too much value to pass up. I, I'm betting a hundred dollars on this. So I'll look at the schedule. Okay, let's say they beat North Texas, they beat Idaho. Are they going to beat Arizona State? Are they going to beat Stanford? Okay, but then, you know. That's only four wins. (laughs) That's only four wins. I don't think they're beating UCLA, Oregon, USC, Utah, Oregon State, Washington, Auburn. It's just there seem to be a bunch of games where they just don't have a chance, and they would have to be – they would have to be absolutely perfect in the games they can win, and they would have to pull an upset or two somewhere else. And I feel like we've seen for the past couple of years, that's just not who, who Cal is under Justin Wilcox. The first few years, they they had some sparks, but since then, it's just kind of been the same, and it's three, four, or five wins every season. So I don't, I don't know why that would change, even with how bad the bottom of the Pac-12 is. I think your hope, if you're a Cal fan, because this line is set up ball eligibility, your hope to get to a bowl game, get those extra weeks of practice, the on-screen time, right? Recruiting benefit, all that stuff, right? We all know how big that is in college football. Your hope is that they can regain the defensive prowess that they had in years past, and they can win a game or two because they play a grinded-out, they make teams that are more skilled than them, they drag them through the mud, um, play ugly games, and they could win a 13 to 10, 13 to 12, I don't know, type game. Uh, Jake, do you see any way that they can do that? I, I think this is a terrible conference to try to get back your defensive prowess because you've got some very high powered offenses with teams that don't, don't have great defenses, like Washington, as are with Penix Jr. That is a tough, that's tough to stop for really good defenses, let alone one trying to find its feet. Uh, USC with Caleb Williams. I mean, there, I don't know that there's a defense out there that can just, hey, we stopped Caleb. That doesn't happen. Bo Nix in Oregon. And we I haven't just, even talked about UCLA. This whole show is all yeah, back to yeah. But UCLA's not a bad team either and pretty decent yeah. offense themselves. <laughs> yeah, and so it's like, where, where do you get your feet? Where do you breathe after Idaho? You, you really can't. There, I mean, because you have to win Arizona State at home. You're not going to get Oregon State. Then you have to go to Utah, USC, at Oregon. I don't see where you catch, catch a breath if you're a weaker team there. Yeah, this one might be my favorite bet of at least what I've heard so far from y'all. Uh, just because of the fact that if I give at North Texas, which I'm not sure they're going to get, Idaho, home against Arizona State, 
Don't know if they're going to get it, but sure, we'll give it to them. Uh, home against Washington State. Don't know if they're going to get it, but sure, we'll give it to them. And at Stanford, that's five wins, and I cannot figure out the sixth win. Um, home against Auburn, maybe? Home, I mean, against, home they, against Oregon State? With, with, with big game Hugh Freeze and new quarterback Peyton Thorne, I I don't see that. I don't. I don't see yeah. winning that game. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I the, the that. hope the hope there is the travel gets to him, yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's, it's, that sort of thing. But that's but yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be really tough to get to six on this one. So yeah, I'm gonna like I said, I, this might be the, the favorite of the ones that we have talked about here uh, so far. Uh, sticking in the Pac-12 because we, we love we do love the Pac-12 here. Um, we do love late night football because what else is there to do late night on a Saturday? Uh, Oregon State uh, over eight and a half wins around even money. Uh, back to you for this one, Jake. Uh, and all I will say before I turn the table, before I turn uh, over to you, is uh, I found myself rooting for Oregon State so much last year. I, I loved the style that was different of football in that conference. I loved rooting for what seemed like an underdog. Um, they, they almost had the USC game. Uh, they, 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 they pulled it off against Oregon. I mean, it was just a fun team to root for. I don't know how many people felt that way because it was a different style of fun. It wasn't the up, up tempo scoring fun that most people like, but I loved rooting for them. Uh, it looks like based off of this, you think I'm going to be rooting for them a lot again this season. Yeah, I, I really think Jonathan Smith might, might be a legit, very good coach. He's got a really hard QB competition coming in because I still think DJ's got talent and obviously – Gilberson was good last year, uh, but whoever wins that battle has got tons of help, right? You've got an offensive line that's one of the best in college football, um, and that returns four starters. You've got uh, absolute stud and Damian Martinez, but who was what rookie rookie of the year in the Pac-12 and had a ton of talent right behind him that they could buy for 2,000 yards and 18 scores. So, I mean, it takes a lot of pressure off whoever is the quarterback. Uh, defense might take a little step back, but I still think there's enough talent there to get right right back to it uh, and keep it at the same level. I mean, it's turnovers for this team, right? They were 10-1 and one last year when they didn't turn the ball over four times. The USC game that they, they had them beat in was four interceptions that turned it around. Uh, I think we're going to get a much better version of this Oregon State team because, one, you don't see USC on that schedule. Um, I mean, you've got three prob- probably th- three to four wins there right off the bat, and then California and Stanford and Colorado and Arizona on there. We're looking at, what, seven wins, so you just have to find one with Washington at home, uh, Utah at home, UCLA at home, and then at Oregon. Just have to get it, more it of those. I mean, the Oregon game is obviously going to be really tough. Uh, at, at Washington State, might be a little bit tough just because uh, road game up there, you know. Yeah. But yeah, a lot the, the the three of the really good teams coming to Corvallis definitely sets up where uh, they could have a big season. Yeah, I, I think there's a decent there's a decent opportunity to put some money on them to win the Pac-12 uh, because I mean. If they get there, then it's a one-game match with what, probably USC, who they had their number last year until they just started hitting on the ball. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's a, that would be a flyer pick, but who, who, who else likes to spoil teams? Yeah, J- Jake, you, you uh, nailed some of your long shots in the college basketball tournament, uh, the conference tournament 
discussion. Uh, personally, I would not put anything on Oregon State to win the conference simply because it being the top two teams in the Pac-12, I have zero idea who's going to play for it, and it's going to be chaos. So the odds would reflect that you'd get massive plus odds on this pick, uh, which you would need to get. But it's going to be such a fun top-heavy race that I have zero idea. And before with the divisions, you could at least kind of map it out this team plays this team and these three are in here. And so you kind of figure some of that out a little bit better, uh, you know, kind of say, Oh, it's, well, this matchup. Oh, well, this team gets this team. And so you, you now it's like, who yeah. knows? And it may have been wild tiebreakers too. Yeah. You can see, I wasn't confident enough to put it on here. I'm just saying, if you've got a few Fair. extra dollars, eh, why not? Uh, I will say, I, I do think so we talked about the USC game. I do want to point out uh, Oregon state got a little lucky playing USC early on before they had really settled in. I think, however, they got really unlucky because I don't think Oregon State knew at that point, none of us knew, that USC's defensive game plan was cause turnovers because we can't actually stop anybody. We learned that, but we didn't know that at the time. And I think if Oregon State knew that, I think they would have had a slightly different offensive game plan and would not have thrown as many interceptions because they would have known that's all USC is trying to do. And you got to play it safe and grind out. And we saw like Notre Dame at the end of the season do that. Notre Dame's offense was terrible and just marched it up and down the field on USC for the most part, more than they have against most teams because – they knew what to avoid with USC and Oregon State did not know that. And so I do wonder if whatever magic Oregon State threw with them defensively that, that threw off uh, Lincoln Riley and his well-oiled machine, if they do happen to meet in the conference championship game, if that would still work again or not. Uh, and of course we don't know if USC's defense will be improved or, or whatever. I just think that was an interesting point given how early they played. I think it was like a week two game. Uh, it was really early before they even finished on conference last year. Uh, Cousin Jared, I, have to ask you in Oregon State. It feels to me, and I want to see if you agree or disagree with this. If they get mediocre quarterback play, they're going to be good. And if they accidentally get good quarterback play, this is a team that might end up, you know, winning 11 games if they get good quarterback play. Does that seem reasonable to you? I, I think looking at this schedule, I think if everything breaks right for them, they best case scenario they can get two conference losses they end up something like 10 and 2 and i i think obviously that would be good enough probably to get them in the conversation for the the conference championship game so yes i i think that's probably what i put their ceiling at is 10 wins but if they get good quarterback play you could convince me that they could win nine or ten games yeah and that's of of course the big question for them uh jake you kind of like threw that underneath there uh dj at oregon state i feel like that maybe deserved a few more minutes but I mean, I can't say his name, so uh, I was trying to avoid pronunciation issues. I, I figured out how to say his name last year at the start of the season. I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And then he was so terrible. We didn't talk about Clemson that much. And I didn't have to say his name. And now I've forgotten how to say it again. So yeah, uh, I, I hopefully, he, hopefully, it's definitely not that. Um, <laughs> hopefully, you know, he regains some of the hype form and plays well. We always want to see people succeed. And if he does, this Oregon State team is going to be really fun to watch. And then hopefully we'll all have to learn. And I'm, that, that ties back to your Clemson point, right? A good running game really helps them. And I think it takes the Aaron. pressure off of him with Damian Martinez and that offensive line. So I think we might see what we saw early in the year. Of, uh, yes, the, the weight of the world will not be on his shoulders because he will not have to do that at Oregon State because it's a whole different designed offense. Absolutely. And and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying these are the results that we're going to see, but this does feel to me like 
both Clemson and DJ are going to benefit from this relationship ending just because it was very abnormal. It was very just to- almost toxic, I it, think, for know, both at, at that point. And I have to, and I have to say, I, I, I had the same word came to my mind. And it was not toxic, I don't think. I don't think that's the right yeah, word, but the yeah. same word came to my mind. And so I don't know the exact word. I, I do math, right? I don't, English yeah. is hard. Uh, yeah. But yes, it was almost like it, was, it wasn't even so much that the relationship was a problem as much as just both sides needed to move on. There yes. was so much yes. hype, so much expectations, so yeah. much pressure, anxiety, whatever those type of things were happening. And uh, yeah, now he can go and he doesn't have to be the savior. Yeah. Uh, the, the the hero, the one of the first guys to get an NIL bill and be on you know Dr Pepper commercials, right? Yeah. He can just go do his thing, a little more quiet life out there in Oregon, and uh, yeah. I think he could thrive. And actually, Clemson, you know, just moving on, and that way, it's we don't have to deal with that that situation. We can just kind of go out and play. Yeah, and listen, yeah. I, I'm not saying that these are the results you're going to see, but this feels very Bo Nix to me as yeah, far as it just wasn't what working. I was say. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like it a very similar comparison where the pressure was so much and it, it just does better where it's not. Yeah, absolutely. In the same state, too. Uh, yeah. That wraps us for the Pac-12. Again, mostly a Pac-12 show, it feels like. Uh, Mountain West, uh, San Diego State, who was in the Mountain West, and then they weren't going to be in the Mountain West, and then they were going to be in the Mountain West, and then they weren't going to be in the Mountain West. And I think they are now staying yeah, in the Mountain yeah. West. But uh, my goodness, if that wasn't confusing, I don't know what was. Because uh, you're going to go under seven wins. Uh, if I'm counting correctly, uh, that that looks like, uh, you know, it's bold. That's a bold pick. For a San Diego State team that tends to feel like they get some wins here and there, right? They, they they've always overperformed, right? Uh, it feels a little bold. Tell me why you were expecting a down year from the Aztecs. Yeah. So first of all, we have to remember that the coach of this team is Brady Hoke, who we have not seen wonderful things from Brady Hoke since the first time that he was at San Diego State. But since then, I have seen nothing that has made me think that Brady Hoke will be a, an amazing coach that can just automatically get San Diego State. To, to 10 wins. Uh, you have to remember, obviously, a lot of the issues with San Diego State stem from their offense. Brady Hoke had Denard Robinson yeah. at Michigan, and he was basically just like quarterback sweep right, quarterback sweep left. Yeah. I know a lot of time has passed since then, but he just not, does not strike me as the type of guy who's going to take some risk offensively to try to improve his offense greatly. And Maiden, their quarterback, sorry, I can't remember his, his first name, but his last name's Maiden, M-A-Y-D-E-N. He came in last season, and he's what I would say is he solidified the quarterback position for them. But his completion rate was around 50%, a little bit above 50%. And in the nicest possible way, there's probably a reason the guy was playing safety at the beginning of the season and not playing quarterback. And so that's kind of uh, – if anybody is hyped about San Diego State, that's one of the things they're saying is that Maiden came in the beginning season. He stabilized things. He's going to be better his second year as a starting quarterback. But that combination of Brady Hoke and then him, again, playing safety at the beginning of last year, just doesn't really feel like uh, – doesn't leave me have this warm and fuzzy feeling, I would say. That's part of it. The other thing I would say is let's take a look at this schedule, shall we? Because the beginning of this schedule is something to behold. But please let's note that's a week zero game, folks. So we have a a Cedar State, Ohio. I have that is appointment TV for week oh, yeah. zero. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to that one. That's yeah. like, I, I, just have, I just have to point that out. 
Yeah, or I, I'm even with how good San Diego State is usually defensively. I think our boy O'Rourke is probably going to put up some points in, in that game against San Diego State. So that is definitely one that I'm going to be excited about. But you could convince me that they would, you know, okay, let's say Ohio, it's it's at home, so they're probably San Diego State's probably going to be favored. Actually, while I'm just chit chatting here, Professor, if you could look at what you had last yeah. season, what would you make the line on on that one? I'd be interested to know. But Ohio, that kind of feels coin tossy ish. Uh, to me, you've got to win at Ohio State, but then UCLA, Oregon State, Boise State, and going to Air Force, that is as about as tough as it can get for a Mountain West team at the beginning of the season. And, you know, depending on how the Ohio game goes for them, I think this team could start one and five, and I would not be surprised. And then you would need them to be perfect uh, in the second half of the season. Now, could they go perfect the second half of the season with that schedule? Absolutely. Hawaii, Nevada, uh, Colorado State, San Jose State, all not good, not putting it nicely. Uh, maybe Utah State's going to be a little more spunky this year. Fresno State, again, probably going to take a step back, but I think they're still going to be a pretty good team. That will be a good game. But I think there's legitimate way that this team could start out 1-5, and five, and then they have to be perfect the rest of the season, and I just don't see that happening. I feel like you have a lot of push potential on this one, but much more likely to go under 7 than, than over that number. So I'm betting $100. Okay, I would have had San Diego State by about 3.5 last year. Uh Sanders hit won seven games last season. We had an A-grade pick on the under in the their season finale before the conference championship against Air Force in a game that they lost 13 to 3. And I just have to point out that we had the under in a game that went 13 to 3. And that was I don't remember anything about that game, uh, but I imagine that it was, you know, like oh, watching a masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just imagining I, you know, cousin Jerry and I just enjoyed the heck out of uh, watching, <laughs> watching yeah. that performance and having the under, um, Jake. Do you know anything about San Diego State other than their colors and location and mascot? I, I know that we are looking forward to basketball season, and they are still going to be very loaded. I know they lost some key pieces, but they're still going to be loaded, still good. Uh, no, but really, I do have this question with San Diego State. Did they just go like, "Hey, we were good," like? 10 years ago and everything. Let's just rehire our coaches. Went with Steve Fisher for basketball for a minute, brought back Brady Hoke because they're like, I mean, I don't blame them. Like, hey, it worked once, it worked twice. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, Ohio, I think, is very sneaky. The east to west thing scares me about picking Ohio there, but your defense has got to be on point because O'Rourke is going to find where you're weak and, and just pick it apart. Yeah. Uh, then you're – Asking anybody to go perfect is tough. So asking them to win six in a row if they go one and five, that's going to be yeah. very, very tough. Even with a down team, because like, not that players don't give their best, but you just don't have that extra motivation if you're, say, you're what four and seven or something like that at, at the last couple of games. That's you're, might, I mean, you might might be ready to be done if the bowl game's out in sight. You know, I've got stuff to do been beat up in practice all year. So I, I don't know. I think under is a really good play. I just I don't pay that much attention to the Mountain West. I'll let you all do that. And, and I do have to point out, uh, of course, I started off, uh, you know, not, you know, obviously knowing where Cousin Jerry was going with this pick. Uh, San Diego State, you know, historically been a strong team in the Mountain West. But uh, you talked about their offense being a problem, and I would be remiss if I did not close this discussion on them by just pointing out 
they played what potentially is the game of their season last year against Toledo in their fourth game of the season, won 17 to 14. And that feels like their playbook for beating Ohio as well. And that was the by far the best game that they played all season long. They had a couple of other decent wins against weaker uh, schools, but they only beat UNLV. And I believe this is when UNLV was having some their quarterback issues. They only beat UNLV at home 14 to 10. Uh, they only beat Nevada 23 to 7, and Nevada was terrible. They only beat Hawaii at home 16 to 14. They lost to the Air Force at home 13 to 10. Uh, they had some really head scratching games based off where we assumed that a, a traditional San Diego State team is. This is a team that's usually 8 9 competing for 10 wins. Uh, it yep. seemed like every season. Was it what happened last year? Because, Jared, you don't think it's going to happen again this year. So you're going under seven wins. Uh, gentlemen, any other Mountain West discussion uh, to be had here? Hawaii, are they – the Hawaii's going to be a little bit better, right? They got better at the end of last season. Uh, we're expecting we're expecting so, better things this year. So, somehow won three or four games last year. Like, however many games Stumbled they won, it. It, was, it was more than any team with that level of talent should have won. I, I feel like by the end of the season, they were starting to play really well. They had guys in there who really wanted to play. They were they were the rare team that was like two and seven and playing hard uh, yeah. because of who was in there in that situation. So I'm expecting better things from Hawaii this year, which is good uh, because they play a lot of late games, of course. And so we always end up, uh, you know, for better or worse, betting on, you know, or against Hawaii. Uh, they should be a little bit more competitive. Uh, any other besides Hawaii thoughts on the Mountain West? I do think Utah State is going to be improved. Um, the, the second year under the Nevada, the ex Nevada coach, I think that offense is going to step up where it didn't. But I'm not confident enough to take their win total over. But I, I do think there will be a better team. And I don't know what to make of Wyoming. They, they made me so mad last year. So I just wrote them off my list. Cousin Jared, any Mountain West thoughts? Uh, I think Boise is going to be the best team in the Mountain West, but the beginning of their schedule is really tough. Uh, so I'm not sure that you're going to be able to look at them a month into the season and really judge how good they are based on their record. Uh, I would be remiss if we didn't go back and talk about Iowa and mm. say that, you know, we really need them to score 25 points per game for the offensive coordinator to keep their job. And so I have full faith that Iowa special teams and defense are going to score like a combined like 60 points this year to somehow keep Little Ferentz as the offensive coordinator again. I, we, like did not pull up, we did not pull up Iowa's schedule. Uh, whoever the cupcakes are on that schedule, I feel bad for because you know that it's going to be yep. run up the score, play hard to the end, and, and see if we can uh, – uh, skew skew the numbers uh, that was a bizarre story absolutely yep. Yep. um i feel like it, we didn't talk that much about the mountain west of course uh apologies to them uh but i do feel like both the big 10 and the pac-12 just have so many interesting storylines yeah. uh by themselves we could just talk for, forever about them uh gentlemen any parting words uh you can see on the screen where we stand heading into uh, part three, which we will uh, wrap up here shortly. Uh, otherwise, though, any parting words? Nope. Oh, just going to be a big Miami fan this year. <laughs> yeah, that head-to-head that <laughs> -head, uh, with Miami will be very interesting. Uh, all right, well, that's all I'm we've sure got. I'm sure I won't ever hear anything about that the rest of the season. <laughs>
<laughs> yes, we will be updating this every week, uh, absolutely, throughout the season. Uh, but thanks here for watching. Make sure that you are subscribed if you aren't already. Uh, we will finish up the series soon enough here with part three with the group of five conferences, independence. Uh, both of these gentlemen still have $300 left to risk each, so some gems left to go in the small schools, which can have some of the most mispriced numbers, so uh, make sure to check that out. But otherwise, as always, best of luck, and remember, you can eat your betting, but please don't bet your eating.